Why publishers let Epic Games give away their games for free? Well, there's one thing I want to talk about first though. Don't know if you guys saw it. I believe it's because of the lawsuit against, you know, between um, uh, Epic Games and Apple that this sort of information got released. But uh, they've released how much money different developers got to put their games for free on the Epic Games Store. So Subnautica by Unknown Worlds in 2018, 4.7 million people got the game for free, I think. They were paid $1.4 million. 804,000 of the almost 5 million accounts were new. And I guess it's how much money per new account. So they, uh, Epic effectively paid $1.74 for every new person to the Epic Game Store. And 17% of the accounts were new. And you can kind of look at the list here. Obviously, 5 million copies of Sub Subnautica wouldn't normally cost $1.4 million, right? And comments, where, where was the one that most highlighted it? I responded to it. Um, com people made comments about like, why, why would anyone do this? This doesn't seem good for the developers, yeah. If these are accurate, that actually seems like not an amazing deal for the devs. Games don't magically stop selling. Even the oldest titles on this list are likely selling steadily still, given their popularity and the roots in the Steam algorithm, right? So I, I responded, people who get games for free aren't the same as the people who buy them, right? It's the same reason why studies find that piracy doesn't necessarily cost um, the creators money because the people who are pirating stuff aren't the same as the people who are buying stuff The people who are getting stuff for free aren't the same as the people who are who are buying the games Like if you have the means and desire to buy a game you just buy it You don't go well maybe next year it will be free or something people don't work that way these you know 4.6 million people who got Subnautica are likely people who either didn't know the game existed prior to this sale, so this deal got Subnautica a lot of free advertisement, or they're people who uh, would never gonna get it in the first place. And I'm going, oh, well, if it's free, I may as well check it out. And th this kind of stuff um, uh, means that they haven't likely lost any money because these 4.7 million people weren't going to buy this game. But also, uh, these people may, may now go, oh, I love unknown games now. If they make a Subnautica 2, which they are making a Subnautica 2, I'm going to buy that game because of my good experiences with the first game. Or maybe Unknown Worlds has made other games, so I'll go check those out as well. And these 4.7 million people, after the game is no longer free, they will go to their friends and go, oh, I had this great experience with Subnautica, you should try it out. And it's no longer free, so their friends now got to buy the game. They, the Subnautica has basically been paid $1.4 million for their game to be advertised, and all their games to be advertised, their brand to be advertised on the Epic Games Store. This is a, this is a great deal um, for devs. That's why they do it, right? They wouldn't do it if there wasn't something in it for them. It's very simplistic to think, oh, look, they've lost 4.6 blah 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 million sales. That's just not how this works. So basically, if you want to know why these games are given away for free by Epic Games, it's obviously to get new people on the platform. Why do the devs agree to do it? Because they get a small amount of money and they get uh, everything uh, advertised. Um, uh, usually these free games come out um, before the developers release another game to potentially generate hype for that new game. And, uh, and yeah. Yeah, but at the end of the day, Thinking of these, this is 4.6 million sales lost is nonsense. Wreckful's misunderstood statement about having a purpose. Oh, my last ramble that released was one where I mentioned that prior to Wreckful's death, or maybe a year or two prior or something, I'm not sure, he made a statement that got everyone um, up in arms. 
where he said, uh, for those unaware, Wreckful was once upon a time a really popular, really huge content creator with millions upon millions of dollars, had endless investments, making deals in some cases for millions of dollars. Started that. So extraordinarily well-off person, but he's always been a person who's been depressed and uh, battled those demons until eventually he, uh, he succumbed to them, like he uh, killed himself. And the statement he made was, I wish I, like, not these exact words perhaps, he said, I wish I was poor, because at least then I would have something to strive for or something to do. And it, it got people really uh, aggravated, justifiably, because it's basically like, because the implication there is that being poor is better than being exceedingly wealthy. But that's not what Reckford was saying. As hard as this is to understand, every single person does not flourish in the circumstances that you yourself would want to be in, right? 99.99999% of people in Wreckful's situation would have flourished and been better off for it. Wreckful didn't. What Wreckful was trying to communicate there was that he found so little satisfaction in his life and he lacked the ability to find purpose to the degree that he strongly desired for external pressures to exist that would force him to do something with his life, force him to have purpose, something to strive for. Being in the circumstance that he was, he didn't have to fucking do anything. And he wasn't able to make himself do stuff. He would, even when his friends would ask him to do stuff, he'd be like, oh, I don't want to go, and, you, know, it's, you know. And he would justify not doing anything, and he'd make himself more miserable. He was living uh, a hell of a life. And uh, as you can see, in, in that he ended up killing himself. It's, uh, it isn't necessarily the case that he would have been better off if he was poor, like, or something like that. But it is clearly the case that he wasn't doing well. And the expression that he said there wasn't him saying, oh my God, being poor is so much better than being rich. It is, oh my God, I'm suffering so much. I would take anything to get out of this situation. And he, he clarified this, but people still criticized him for it. As if he's just not unaware. They just accused him of being unaware that being poor isn't fun or something. Or he's like, oh man, I wish I was fucking poor, man. The poor people living the life. That's not what he was saying. It was acknowledging that life without purpose, without something to do, without drive to experience things in life isn't worth living. Money solves a lot of problems and having money makes your life easier on endless different levels, but money doesn't solve every single issue a person has. Wreckful had issues when he was younger, when he wasn't as wealthy, he had the same issues when he was older, when he was wealthy. Many of the same issues I had when I, I'm, I was younger, now that I'm successful, I still have those exact same issues. Not everyone flourishes in the exact same circumstances. There are circumstances you believe you would love to be in, that if right now you were in them, you would not, you wouldn't like them at all. As I say, 99.999% of people would would have flourished under wreckful circumstances, but he just didn't. And him trying to communicate that, maybe in a less than elegant way, um, he didn't deserve the criticism that he got, you know? Obviously, suicide is not a good option. I hope nothing that I said ever suggested that. I was merely saying that uh, the interpretation of his words in the way that I've communicated them is given evidence by that he ended up taking his life. Clearly he wasn't in good circumstances, irrespective of the wealth that he had. Improving videos for my own satisfaction. You want Passfist? You can watch Passfist right now on my Patreon for $5. Or rather 95% of it, because the finalized version requires that one joke that hasn't been done yet. Until that joke is done, I'm not going to uh, release it. Be amazing way it's put together. I mean, 
The finalized version does have, um, I, I reworded a few things, added another joke. I don't think the finalized thing that I'm, that I need to hire Murfish and the other dude for, I don't think it's going to be that great. But it was the first thing I thought of and I couldn't think of anything better for that section. It is costing me a couple of hundred bucks to do that. It's one of those things where those couple of hundred bucks are not going to um, increase the viewership, you know. It will make the episode better, but it's not like I'm going to receive a return on that investment. But I just, I just want the episode to be what it is in my head, you know. It isn't about the money, it's about sending a message. I make more than those couple of hundred bucks? Yes, but not because of the joke. As in, if I don't put that joke in and just leave nothing in that section, I'll make the exact same amount of money that I will, with or without the joke is what I'm saying, you know? So there will be no return on investment. It'll just be, I'll be more satisfied with the episode. So I guess the return on investment will be my personal satisfaction. And I do value that quite a bit. I do wish that uh, I could do this kind of stuff myself though. My life of anxiety. I'm always anxious. I never feel truly comfortable. I always feel awkward and I, uh, I just live with it. I got invited to some kind of um, live science thing that's going to be like a live stream where uh, it's targeted towards 13, 25 year olds or something and like uh, teachers can show it to their kids at a particular time. Um, you're teaching kids science with games and I was invited to be a guest on it and I just look at this and go, oh, there's no way I could do that. I'd be so anxious and uh, I'd stress about it for ages and who knows if I would have the energy on that particular day to be good and I would hate to think that I would let other people down by not being uh, as entertaining or um, as alert as I should be or whatever and so I'm gonna decline. That's just my life, you know, and I've accepted at this point. Like I don't mind putting myself into new situations. As a matter of fact, I do like new situations to a degree. It's just when people will be depending upon me to do certain things is not something I'm usually comfortable with. I hate letting people down, especially because I know myself and I, uh, I know I, I'm fairly inconsistent in how reliable I can be when I'm awake, how my, good my sleeping pattern is, my energy levels and stuff. So I try to avoid putting myself into situations unless they're really important or something I really want to do where I can potentially let someone down. As much as it's flattering to be invited, uh, it's hard just to accept, especially when I'm feeling shit right now, you know. Maybe I'll change my mind, maybe I will, uh, as I have often tried to do, gone, oh no, Matt, you just gotta do it, you know, it, it'll be fun, you'll blah blah blah, but at present, I, I'm not convinced I'm gonna do it. Sounds interesting? Yeah. I mean, often I, I, I can justify it from a business standpoint or something, but there's no real business incentive to do it. Like, I'm not, I'm not being paid or whatever. I mean, hypothetically speaking, if I was particularly interesting, maybe uh, I get some viewers or, or increase the my, my influence as a brand or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But, but, yeah. Dogecoin. Have I seen Dogecoin? Yes. Very interesting to watch people uh, pump up the value of a coin and then bail. Let's be real. Like, if your game plan is to buy a coin when it's low and sell it when it's high it's just a pyramid scheme at that point right <laughs> you do the initial investment and you want other people to buy in increasing the value of your investment and then you bail 
and you're you bailing of course reduces the value of the, the investments that other people have done but now you've made a lot of money off the people who have done the investments after you you're not using it it doesn't have any value in terms of buying anything or it doesn't have any uh, practical use or anything it's just something that you can park your money hoping that other people park their money after you so that you get more money stocks work the same way i mean they're tied to something in reality with practical purpose that can drive up its own value as in it's more than simple hype like you're you're sitting there on your investment not just hoping more people invest you're hoping that the company does well inspiring people to invest that the company produces some product of wealth uh, of value to society leading people to invest when when you've got a dogecoin all you're hoping is that the meme continues on and people buy in also hoping to be one of those people who can bail at the top when they talk about buying the dip you know you're ultimately trying to be the the one in the pack who doesn't lose their money you look at all the other investors going i'm gonna leave at the right time leaving you guys losing a lot of value i'm gonna be taking home your money how the rambles are found how do i find the rambles are you asking how i used to find them or now these days all the footage for no damage is given to one of my editors and they break it down in the same way that all the episodes are broken down where they mainly focus on the missions where there's a possibility of me taking damage and uh all the jokes and stuff that i say in between the missions you know what i'm saying while that stuff is all being put together rambles are being put to the side and every time one of the editors has like 40 minutes of rambles that they've put to the side they send them to me and i pick which ones are worth being put in an episode of rambles and then i you know, maybe cut them down a little bit or remove certain things uh, and then i put the voiceovers in put the titles and then make the um the index at the start and then it becomes an episode of rambles i found good editors i i have four good editors and i've had uh, three of them i have been with me for over a year why did i start youtube and the old days why did I start YouTube? Uh, I had opinions about particular social topics that I wanted feedback on, and uh, I kind of liked the YouTube kind of community that existed at that point, back in uh, 2013, 2012. YouTube community went down since then. Uh, it's not as much of a kind of community thing anymore. There were more little communities on YouTube back then, like you had like video responses and stuff, and. People used to mirror other people's videos to give each other shout outs and stuff and doesn't happen much these days. YouTube, when they removed video responses, for those unaware, people didn't use YouTube back then, underneath videos, there used to be a little section that would show you everyone who directly responded to another person's video. So you make a video and say, this is a video response to this person's video. And so you could get views off doing that. Because people would be like, oh, I wonder what the video response is saying to this controversial video. And, and So your response video might have nothing to do with the video you're responding to. But because that video is popular, uh, you get some people clicking on your, your response video to check out your channel or whatever, right? The first video I ever made that got me any subscribers was a response video. Not that I really remember the content of that video, but I remember being at work and talking to Lee like... Oh my god, I got another subscriber. Like, I'd be getting a subscriber every hour or something. Uh, I remember seeing there, like, I had 36 subscribers. I'm like, Lee, look, I got 36 subscribers. Yeah, the, uh, YouTube 
made the case that uh, so few people used response videos that uh, it wasn't worth keeping them around. Similar argument they made to uh, the community captions or whatever, right? It is usually the case that a particular community of people uses this particular feature like heaps, but the overwhelming majority of people don't use it. So YouTube is like, well, you know, the overall majority don't use it, so we can just get rid of it. Basically screwing over the small group of people that do use it, you know? Your favorite YouTube was 2005 to 2008? I actually remember the first time someone told me about YouTube. At least, like, who knows if this memory is true, because you can never be certain about old memories or whatever, but I'm fairly sure Michael, when I was in school, told me about YouTube, and he's like, oh, you can watch, like, episodes of, uh... Naruto and stuff on there, like just full episodes, man, for free. I'm like, I'm, I'm not really into anime. Like, it, it just seems like a pain in the ass. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how that conversation went. How things have changed. Given that I watch quite a bit of anime and I, I upload videos to YouTube for a living. And th that those episodes don't exist on YouTube anymore, really. <laughs> yes, Michael from Grand Theft Auto happened to go to my high school. Do I still have all my older videos? Uh, yeah, somewhere. Not about all of them, but yeah, most of them. They will never see the light of day. I'm pretty sure there are two on the internet in different places. Mirrors that people did back then. That I can't be bothered taking down. Or like contacting them to take down. I enjoy shows on a surface level. Do I have a my anime list? No. I have never really seen myself as a person who wants to make content like reviewing anime or rating anime or just rating media in general because I seem to consume media at a very surface level like I don't sit there and an analyze why I'm enjoying this I just watch it and then move on with my life barely even remembering what it was about you know like there seems to be people who like they'll watch a show and they'll be like oh episode 12, 15 minutes in, all oh, that scene made me feel all these things and, you know, it, it makes me think of this other show and maybe drew inspiration from this and I, I, don't, I don't do any of that stuff, man. I just, I'm like, this is kind of fun. I like watching this, so I'm going to keep doing it. Then when it's over, I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of sucks that that's over. And then I move on. Like, the last show that I watched was Invincible. The Amazon Prime show. And I can tell you, it's good. Can I tell you why it's good? No. I enjoyed it though. And it's the, it's the kind of show that you can spoil. Although I do want to say that, uh, well, some things I didn't see coming, other things I did, right? Like, there is foreshadowing that you can look out for if you're really interested. Have I seen How I Met Your Mother? I've never heard that show in my life. What is How I Met Your Mother? Of course I've seen it, dude. I, like everyone else, liked that show when it was popular. Probably a show that went on too long and ended terribly. I don't think... How I Met Your Mother was as good as, you know, I thought it was at the time. I don't think it would hold up if I watched it again. Always funny to me, though, that Barney Stinson is, uh, is gay in real life. I mean, obviously, given the character he portrays in the show. I guess it just shows how good of an actor he is, I guess. Kind of the same way most people are when they find out that Hugh Laurie is, uh, British. You know, the guy who played House? Yeah, he's British. You know, God Save the Queen and all that? Yeah, true. Watch, um, the Hugh Laurie and Blackadder. Or, uh, uh, Hugh, what's it called, um, uh, Hugh and Fry? Or Fry and who? You, uh, uh, what's it called? Fry and Laurie? Yeah, that's a flat. Uh, yeah. That was a weird show. I don't think, uh, Hugh Laurie's in Monty Python. 
I have seen Promised Neverland. I haven't seen season two because apparently it's fucking terrible. A lot of anime is apparently a um, an advertisement for the manga, right? I wonder if the reason why they fucked up Promised Neverland season two so much was because they wanted people to buy the manga. Oh, the manga got crap at the end too? Why did people not tell me this? I wouldn't have bothered watching the first season because the first season was pretty decent. Except that it's a huge suspension of disbelief. Like all these kids are like nine years old and they're like solving complex problems and have perfect control of their emotions and they're amazing manipulators of adults and stuff. It's just like, okay, right. It's like, what's that joke of um, Pro-ZD introducing um, how anime introduces characters? It's like, I won the Nobel Peace Prize. I have six PhDs. I was the first person on Mars and I'm six years old. <laughs> I have watched Invincible. I talked about it not half an hour ago. Good show. I have not got into The Office or Parks and Recreation. I've seen clips from both that suggest that I would like the shows if I got into them. But the parts of the show, like, like when I've sat down and tried to watch the show, I, I just didn't super grip me, you know? They both seem like shows that take a while to get their groove or whatever. Similar to how Seinfeld's first two seasons were not particularly strong. Or maybe The Simpsons the same way, like Simpsons Golden Age season four to season eight or whatever. I should start both in season two. I don't like skipping over the first pass of shows. Of course, I, like everyone else, watch Breaking Bad. I even tried to watch it again, but uh, I stopped like halfway through. Got distracted by something else. Yes, I've seen The Boys. It's a great show, though. I have seen Code Geass, also a great show. It's been long enough since I've seen Code Geass that I think I could probably rewatch it. Yeah, I've seen Rick and Morty. Good show. Walking Dead should have ended like a gajillion years ago. I can't believe that show is still being made. Vinland Saga? Nah, I, I know everyone says it's good and I read the synopsis, but it never... It doesn't seem appealing to me. Prison Break was alright, I guess. Family Guy, I can't believe that show is still on. It's Always Sunny is good. Sometimes the cringe is hard to deal with, though. I've seen One Punch Man. I've seen Jujutsu Kaisen. Seen Dexter. Saw a little bit of Narcos. Seen Umbrella Academy. Which should never really drive with me. Mr. Robot didn't see the final season. How much time do I spend on my PC each day? How many hours do I spend on my computer per day? 13, minimum. Because there's like the hour after I wake up and then like an hour or two before I go to bed and I sleep for on average eight hours, maybe seven. So, yeah, so like probably 12, 13. Do I stream all of it? I have gone through different periods where I stream my editing or I don't stream my editing. Currently, I am streaming editing. The dedication of hot tub streamers. So these hot tub streams that are the meta on Twitch right now, how long do they spend in the hot tub? Wouldn't it just be very boring sitting in a hot tub for hours? And it's usually by themselves, right? And wouldn't they get like wrinkly or whatever? Because it would be in the water that long? It seems so boring and like hard to do. Amaranth uses waterproof oil. Wow. Some commitment. So basically, they're not even really enjoying the hot tub, is what I'm getting from this. I mean, I don't think hot tubs in general are very enjoyable, but it is entirely just to, uh, you know, get within the loophole where you can wear revealing clothing as long as it's in the right context and a hot tub is technically such a context. Who are the people who first came to Australia? 
Why were my ancestors sent to Australia? We've been through this before. The majority of people, I can't say majority, a significant amount of people who went to Australia were just new settlers, people who wanted a new life and shit. And the people who were mainly sent to Australia were people who were convicted of minor crimes or, um, or political prisons and shit. People that, you know, they just didn't want to have to deal with. Not people who, if put on a boat, would necessarily be a threat to the, uh, the other people on that boat, you know? A lot of it was dead as prison? Yeah, exactly. Non Non-violent offender, offender kind of stuff. Do I do X? I do not play any sports, no. If you have a question for me that involves me using my time for something other than streaming or editing, I don't do that thing. Do I still work out? Not really. I actually saw this, uh... I saw this TikTok with this chick who had amazing apps, and she just highlighted, like, the steps, like, the, the ab exercises she does every day. And I was like, I could do that shit. Doesn't look like it takes too long. But knowing that I could do it, and actually getting myself to do it after spending, you know, 12 hours streaming and editing, very different things. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing and I wish you all the best.